Hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of the Momentum Focus podcast. I am your host, Amia Freeman. And if this is your first time finding the podcast, I'm grateful that you gave us an opportunity. If you are a returning listener, I am grateful that you came back. Uh, We're continuing in the conversation of what it takes to be emotionally healthy, emotionally mature, and emotionally well. Um, originally I wanted to call this series or this season emotional wellness, but I felt like wellness is such a broad generic term and nobody really knows what it means. Cause you know, to be well, it's personal, right? And so I figured let's just camp out in the emotional side of being well. And that in itself is enough texture and color to weave an entire tapestry because all of us have different areas in our lives, whether they are from our past or our present that attach to our emotions because hello, we are emotional beings. It's the way God created us. Um, And I want you to have full permission to feel what you feel and know what you know, and then be willing to sit with someone that will help you understand where maybe there was a mix up between what is true and what is the truth. That way you have the opportunity to really just understand like how you're interpreting things that maybe happened to you or happened through you and that shame never has an opportunity to take over. Um, I never want to do any of this work without first going to a scripture to see what God has to say. And I've been sharing from a deck of cards that a friend blessed me with where she dropped my name in each of the verses. And so I want to invite you to drop your name in that scripture as well. Um, Today it's Ephesians 2.10 and it says, for you are God's handiwork, insert your name created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you. Some translations say for you are God's workmanship. And is my understanding from the original translation, that workmanship means poem that you are literally, when your body moves, our bodies have language. When you move, you are helping people understand the heart of God because out of the heart speaks the the mouth, right? The abundance of the heart speaks the mouth. And we look like what God had to say. And last time I checked, he said, it is good. So you are good, created to do good. And the beauty of that is that God prepared it in advance for you to do it. So today's conversation, we are going to talk about maybe there are things that get in the way of you doing the good work. Um, And maybe you found that you just don't know how to get past those things that happened to you or through you or how you are interpreting what's happening in the world around you. Um, And it maybe has you feeling like you're stuck. And y'all, years ago, I used to scream, you're not stuck. You're just blah, blah, blah. And then I got stuck. (laughs) And then God just said, Hey, how about you calm down just a little bit and recognize that everybody has their stuff and everybody 
understands it, interprets it differently, but that everyone gets an opportunity to think about what they're thinking about and to get sound advice, biblical advice that will help redirect you so that you can be free and to be well and to recognize that, like I said, you were created for good things. And when the good things are not happening, we get to pause and ask, is it a potential that we're not seeing the good because our vision is blurred or faulty? So today I have with me a guest on the show that she and I were both presenters at um, a wellness retreat. And I didn't get to attend her workshop, but I saw the title of the workshop and knew that I wanted to give her an opportunity to to talk about some of that and anything else because this is her scope of practice. And I just believe it's going to be a blessing to y'all. So um, in true form, this is how we run this show. I'm going to pass my microphone over to my guest, Jen, and I'm going to let her introduce herself and then we'll dive into the conversation. Thanks, Amia. I am um, glad to be here with you. Um, my name is Jennifer Vorhar, and I am a um, licensed clinical social worker. I have been in the field of social work for just over 20 years, and it has been my, my practice of providing services and support for people who are survivors of trauma. And um, I feel very blessed that God has blessed me with the strength and the capacity to hold space for people that are healing. I um, spend a lot of time changing the inner dialogue. People say they're broken and they need to be fixed and we are not broken. We have wounds and we need to heal. And sometimes we need to lean in to the resources that God has provided for us and the supports that are around us. Um, and sometimes we have to look inside us and kind of jump into our toolbox of tools that God has equipped us with. And sometimes we just need to learn um, different ways of using coping skills. And so the, um, the workshop that you were unable to attend, I titled it Coping Skills for Life because I really truly believe that um, we have to be able to use the tools that God gives us. And sometimes we need to learn some new tools as well um, and sharpen those a bit. Yeah. I love it. <clears throat> the episode just before this one, if, if you didn't get to listen to that one, go back and listen, because I spoke with a licensed counselor as well. And she talked about, we've got to get rid of that word broken. Mm -hmm. So it's like really cool to <laughs> just to, to see this. And both of y'all are women of God and it blesses me um, that that conversation is being had in the space of faith-based counseling and in counseling in general, because, um, I know that there tends to be a stigma around mental health and wellness, um, in faith-based spaces. I mean, in general, right. But sometimes it's brushed over in faith communities because, the assumption is, well, the Lord has already equipped you. You're just not using it, right? Or 
well, are you praying enough? Or there's this assumption of like, well, you must open a door for the enemy to attack you. And it's like, man, can we not do that to people? You know, like, and that was the part where when I didn't get to attend that workshop, um, just for my own sanity and then for being able to help my kids who are away at college and all three of my children are adults now and you don't get to, you don't get to help them like when they were little, right? Where you get to sit them down and say, okay, it's going to be okay. And you give them the answers and then, you know, you cope for them and then send them on their way or put them down for a nap and say, you'll feel better after you wake up and bless the Lord, you will feel better after you take a nap. (laughs) But now that they're adults, I'm finding a lot of how I help them and then how I help peers is if I've learned it for myself, right? It's a, just the understanding of we, we get to practice what we preach. So. um, And being an example, you know, if people see you struggling with the difficult situation and stepping aside to think, to pray, to journal, to go for a walk, to get some fresh air, all things that I'm going to, you know, kind of help you put into, into the, the dialogue today. As we live by example, people see that. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're exactly right that I, I have spent um, many a client session talking to people who want to have faith-based counseling, but yet they say, you know, my family doesn't support this, or my family believes that the only counselor I need is God. And, you know, scripture tells us that we have to seek counsel. Um, and he provides people with gifts. And I truly believe that, you know, my gift and and other people within mental health were given a gift and used in the right way. It can lead people on their, their faith journey and help them to cope with the stuff that life throws our way. Amen. Amen. Well, I am more than willing to sit back and listen and learn (laughs) and allow you to teach us. So go for it. If you offer something that a light bulb goes off or I want to jump back in, I'll make a note of it and then we'll circle back to it, but feel free to go ahead and teach us. Um, Yeah. Awesome. The, um, the best place to start is really just talking about what coping skills are. And I just want to go through some you know, basic idea, because people think about what are coping skills. Um, Maybe they think there's something they should use or somebody told them they need to use, but they really don't know what they are. So, you know, a standard definition is um, a characteristic or a pattern of behavior that enhances our ability to adapt. So that's, you know, kind of a technical technical way, you know, the practical definition is that um, when we're stressed, whether it's good stress or bad stress, what do we do and how do we manage life? So life throws something our way, good or bad, what do we do? Um, Whether it's purposeful and um, conscious or whether it's out of habit and without thinking, it's what we go, what's our go-to when life gets stressful. Um, I have a really funny story that helps me understand this idea of coping and Years ago, we did a, like a rebuild of my, um, my dad's garage and he's got a two car oversized garage. You can probably fit four cars in it, but at the time you couldn't fit any cars in it. You probably couldn't even fit a bicycle in it. It just had a lot of stuff. And so he went away on a deployment and while he was away, we cleaned out his garage. Um, and during the course of that process, my job was to, you know, label and organize and put things where they needed to be. And I found 27 hammers. I'm not exaggerating, 27 hammers. 
And, you know, I did what I needed to do with hammers. You know, some of them, the handle was broken. We threw it away. We, you know, my neighbors took a few, whatever. And when my dad finally saw his garage, I said, why did you have 27 hammers? And he said, well, they're not all the same. Some are roofing hammers and some are small hammers and some are big hammers and some are, and he explained to me that there's different kinds of hammers. And when I think about coping skills, I think about the fact that we don't build a house with just a hammer. We don't build a house with just a set of, you know, nails or a ruler, right? We need multiple different kinds of tools in order to build the house or whatever the project is that we're working on. And in the same way, we need different tools to get through life. One coping skill is not going to get you through life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then from a biblical perspective, the King's, King James Version Dictionary says that cope means to contend, to strive or struggle, to combat, to encounter. And that's really what we do when we're coping right? We're, we're combating with something, we're encountering something and we're, we're, we're struggling, but striving through it. Mm. Um, I look at coping skills from, from two different perspectives. I see that we have, um, preventative coping skills. So the things that we do on a regular basis that are the things that we think about in terms of healthy habits and schedules and routines, what are the things that set us up for a good day. And then there's also prevent or I'm sorry, intervention coping skills. So those are the things that we do when we have to intervene in a situation. Um, what are the things that we're going to, we're going to deploy when we're stressed, when we're anxious, when we're scared, whatever. So we're going to prevent, and then we're going to intervene. Um, and of course we know that coping skills can be healthy and they can be unhealthy. Certainly people have habits that are unhealthy, whether it's substances or food or procrastination or complaining or, you know, any, any of those things that while it feels good in the moment, a lot of the unhealthy coping skills feel really good in the moment, that instant gratification, but long-term it doesn't do us any good. It kind of sets us back. Um, but if we're engaging in regular, not only preventative coping skills, healthy habits, and using healthy interventions, then it sets us up to be able to almost be one step ahead of the stress, but then be equipped and prepared um, when when life throws things our way. Because um, we know that there's going to be, um, there's gonna be trial, there's gonna be tribulation, there's gonna be stress. Um, And it's really important whether you're thinking about stress and trauma from, you know, minor stresses, minor um, traumas where things just don't go your way or big traumas where it's a major impact on your life. Um, We know that number one, we're not supposed to worry about those things. Um, You know, first Peter tells us be so first Peter five, eight, be sober minded, be watchful your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. I mean, that's the world, right? Yeah. We are trying to, to, to live. We're trying to live for God. We're trying to serve others. We're trying to serve God. And there's a lion out there. Come on. Like, yeah, I got to be equipped. I can't, I can't walk into 
that kind of a situation with my water bottle. And that's my healthy coping skill. I need lots and lots of tools in order to get me through that. Um, Hmm. And I feel like there are, there are lots of different scriptures that tell us how important it is to make sure that we have coping skills. Um, It's not a matter of if it's a matter of when Hmm. there will be tribulation, the world in the world, there will be tribulation. Jesus tells us, but, but understand that I've already conquered the world. So it's not a matter of if we're going to run into situations where we need, need coping skills. It's just a matter of when, and we need to be prepared for that. Um, Not to, not to butt in, but like, it feels like, I know here we are years after the initial onset of the pandemic, but in the shutdown, it, that very much feels like we were all in a frame of mind of if it happens, then I'll, you know, and 2020 was no, when it happens, <laughs> you know, and most of us, myself included, most of us didn't know how to do that. Because that almost amplified everything else that we hadn't dealt with. Because now someone described it as all the things you refuse to sit still long enough to sit in. Now here we were sitting in our stuff with ourselves. And then all the people around us and we were like, now what? And we didn't have the skills ready. Like we had tossed out all the hammers, (laughs) right? We were like... All I got is a shoe. Can I use the shoe? Right. And man, that hammer. Well, I know. Just, Go ahead. I, mean, I know for us, you know, we thought we were going to have our shutdown came right at, at spring break. So we thought we were just going to have, a, you know, a three week long spring break. All right. Let's, you know, let's just stay in our pajamas and watch movies and play video games. And then two weeks go by and then three weeks go by. And before you know it, like we can't stay in our pajamas and play video games and watch movies any longer, like spring breaks over. Right. And what do you, what do you do? And how do you, how do you manage that? And it is a really great example of, it's just a matter of when something big is going to happen. And, you know, who would have thought a pandemic within our lifetime, but it can happen. Yeah. And we have to be, we have to be ready. Um, you know, not necessarily on guard and watching for something bad to happen, but just being prepared, just being just ready. Being, yeah. Being ready. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to <laughs> no, no, your train of thought. <laughs> um, you know, we also know that, um, I feel like Philippians four, six through seven, it's God's way of preparing us for the fact that we have to use coping skills. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. You're, you're, he sets us up. You're going to be anxious, but don't be anxious because here I am. And this is what you can do about it, right? Prayer, gratitude, thanksgiving. Um, 
and just being able to take care of ourselves. One of the scriptures that is the foundation for my practice and the work that we do is Mark 12 30, love the Lord, your God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul and all of your strength. And we have to be well in our mind and in our hearts and in our soul and in our bodies, because we have to be ready to do the work of the Lord. We have to be ready to, like you said, help your children when they're struggling in college. I have to be ready to do that. And if I'm not ready, I can't help them. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, man. Okay. Keep going. Cause so many thoughts are coming to mind. <laughs> keep going. So, you know, the idea is that, like I said, prevention and intervention and really understanding that we have to plan ahead. We've all heard that saying, you know, fail to plan, plan to fail. And it's really so true because if we don't have those, when I say schedules and routines, I'm not talking, you know, rigid by the minute schedules and routines. I'm just talking about the ebb and the flow of our life because we all have schedules and routines. I would ask, what are the things that actually fit into those time bubbles and what's helping you and what's hurting you and what's just not serving you and where can you take things out of those bubbles and add in something that's going to be helpful. Hmm. Take out the stuff that's not, that's not helping and definitely take out the stuff that's hurting. Um, I know for me, I have to think about this idea of a perfect day. And it's, it's funny because when I did this, this training back in May, you know, my perfect day, so to speak, started at five o'clock in the morning because I knew that I had to get up and get my workout in first thing in the morning so that it set me up to then be able to do some um, worship and my workout and reading my Bible and getting set for the day. Well, here I am in October and my family, my husband, my kids have said, Hey mom, come to the gym with us. So now we go, you know, in the evening, we, we have dinner, we let our food settle a bit. And then as a family, we're going to the gym. And I think it's so important. We talked about living by example. I want my kids to see that health is important, that wellness is important, that moving your body is important and being able to do that alongside of them is important. So figuring out what works for you, maybe it's getting up early in the morning. Maybe it's in the middle of the day that you have to take a little break to engage in something that works for you, whatever that is, sitting down with a piece of paper and the idea of starting kind of starting backwards in your day. So if you, if you know that you need eight hours of sleep, good, solid eight hours, but you know, it takes you 30 minutes to go to sleep and you know, you have to be up by six to be out the door by seven. Okay. Well from six, I got to go back eight hours that's 10. But if it takes me 30 minutes to go to sleep, I need to be in bed at 930. So then where am I going to at? What's my bedtime routine going to look like? How am I going to set myself up so that we can get ourselves setting up tonight for tomorrow? Um, I love the idea of, of habit stacking as well. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that, but adding in it in here because people think, you know, I have, I have my kids, I got to take care of. I have to, you know, maybe I'm taking care of an, uh, an elderly parent, you know, whatever the other responsibilities are in your life, we are of no use to anyone if we are not taking care of ourselves. Hmm. So how do we, 
habit stack. How do we take more than one thing and, and put it in the day? So for instance, I love Mondays because I listen to the new Revving the Word, the, the podcast with Revelation Wellness. That's what I do on Mondays. I'm not necessarily going to do that on another day of the week because Mondays are the day that I know that I can get a good 45, 60 minute cardio workout in. So I'm going to habit stack, right? I'm going to listen to my podcast. I'm going to get my exercise in. Um, I even sometimes like to do it outside. So I'm getting some vitamin D and getting some fresh air at the same time. I'm putting lots of things in. So it's not, oh, I got to go outside. I got to get sunshine. I, no, I'm doing it all at one time. I'm habit stacking. Um you know, listening to a book, if you like to read, but you don't have time to sit down and read or even the Bible, get it on audible, listen to it while you're driving down the road. Maybe you're listening to it while you're doing the dishes or doing something hmm. productive and helpful, preventative while you're doing something else that you have to do. I love to hear that because <clears throat> I was telling someone recently I, it took me years to keep a planner. Like when my kids were really little and I was a stay at home mom and my husband was working in corporate America and he'd come home with his corporate America whatnots <laughs> and try to offer me solutions. So my day didn't feel so hurried and scattered. And he would say, you know, well, why don't you keep a planner so you can keep track of like, where you're going, who has to be where. And I remember thinking like, there's no schedule to keep track of. Like I take them to school and I pick them up <laughs> and that's it. Right. And during the day, and this was pre fit. Well, I wasn't teaching consistently full-time fitness. And even when I started teaching fitness, I just had a block of classes and then that was it. But fast forward now, I live by my pen and paper planner so that my day looks like it will be productive and right. <laughs> and I know, and a friend of mine was like, how do you do it? Like you've got a planner and then you've got a goal planner and then you've got a notebook of like random thoughts and a notebook of Bible study. And recently, I, like I bucked against, you know, having these like morning routines or evening routines. And I was like, I don't have routines. I just do it. Right. But my husband was like, no, you have a routine because when you get up in the morning, there are things that happen to start your day so that your day is well. And I never even thought about the fact that like me sitting down, like drinking a cup of water before I get coffee, sitting down with my coffee, having my written journal where I write down my thoughts, but then a creative journal where I'm listening to my morning devotional pausing and doodling and then writing thoughts. I never even considered that that was habit stacking. It like, Absolutely. I've never heard it in that. I hadn't considered that phrasing of it, but because when you initially said it, I was like, huh, how would you habit stack? Because there's no such thing as multitasking. But to hear it the way you explained it, I think most of us habit stack. Even if you are exercising, like you said, either listening to a podcast or listening to music that motivates you and you've got your water bottle, you know what I mean? Like those are three habits in themselves. Even if when you're in the workout, you pause and rest, mm -hmm. that's a healthy habit that's preventative, <laughs> right? Like, well, And even things like I have to take a phone call. 
I'm going to walk up and down my driveway. Right. You know, I'm going to get a few steps in again, sunshine, fresh air, but I have to take this phone call. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to do that. I actually, a couple months ago, I, I went to the gym and just as I got on the elliptical, my phone rang and it was a call that I needed to take. And I was like, well, I, I'm not going to stay in the gym and have this conversation. Luckily it was a beautiful afternoon. So I just walked through the parking lot, you know, a bunch of times I had this conversation I had to have, I had my, you know, 45 minute, it was just a walk, but that's what I needed to do that day. And it's okay. Um, and I think sometimes we think, oh, well, I don't have time to have a cup of coffee in the morning. Well, okay. What are you doing that you're sitting? What can you have that cup of coffee while you're sitting? Um, and, you know, routines are so important for the biology of our bodies as well. Um, if you think back to when your children were babies, we get them into a routine. I know for my family, you know, my husband and I thought it was very important that we had some time in the evening where it was just adults and we could watch an adult television show and have adult conversation after the children had gone to bed. So, you know, around seven o'clock, things got quiet in the house. And by 7.30, they were in the bath. And then we would read them, you know, pajamas and read them a story and say their prayers and sing their songs and off to bed they went. And then at some point in our lives, we no longer have a bedtime routine. And we, we wonder why we lay in bed for an hour and we can't go to sleep. It's because we haven't given our body the physical clues that it's time to go to sleep so that our body starts to create melatonin. Hmm. And then all of a sudden we're like, okay, I got to go to bed. We lay down and our body hasn't created melatonin, which means we can't go to sleep because we don't have melatonin in our system. That's what our body produces to put us to sleep. Hmm. So creating those routines is less about rigidity and schedules and more about recreating that circadian rhythm that our bodies are supposed to naturally have so that it's just this constant rhythm of waking and preparing our bodies for the day and then preparing our bodies for sleep and setting ourselves up for the work that has to be done in between. Hmm. That's good. That's good. Thank you for the clarity of that. Cause I believe that someone else will be set free <laughs> from the rigidity of a routine. The person that's more free spirited that says, no, I just, things happen and they work, but. Well, and I also like the idea of um, either time blocking or batching tasks. And, mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned that you told your husband, well, you know, I just dropped the kids off and then I picked the kids up. Okay. Well, in that period of time from when you wake them until you drop them off, what are the things that you're doing mm. and what does it look like? Does it look the same every morning? Okay. That's a routine. That's a schedule. And then I have from 9 AM to 3:30 PM is the day chaos or are there certain things that I do from nine to 11? And then is there a particular television show that I like to watch while I'm eating lunch and then what am I doing in the afternoon? And when am I most productive? Because that's the other thing that happens sometimes that adds stress to our lives is that we try to do the really hard stuff when we're not at our prime. Yeah. So if somebody is a morning person and they are awake and they're alert, they got to eat the frog in the morning. They got to do the hard thing in the morning. They don't want to do it. 
but they have to do the hard thing in the morning because if they put it off until the afternoon, they're tired, they're sluggish, their brain's not working, and then they're going to be less motivated to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I figured out that I, I started learning about time blocking probably about six or seven years ago. And to your point, we did have a routine when my kids were little and and that was it. And in between those times that I dropped them off and taught my classes, I started understanding that I was controlling my schedule. And if it felt scary or wild and unruly, that it was because I hadn't taken it back. Like I was letting someone else dictate my schedule. And I I can remember the shift of not living like as a walking ball of anxiety because Mm -hmm. I took my schedule back and recognized like I get to say that I can't come to the thing (laughs) and I can't, you know what I mean? Like, and, and even to the power of no, yeah, the power of no, my daughter, who's a junior in college has, she is living up that one. She's like, no, is a complete sentence. Thank you for considering me, but no. And I'm like, wow. And there are times that she'll tell me no. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're not allowed to tell me no, <laughs> right? But I have to honor and respect it that she, she's putting that into practice. Um, even when you mentioned about, you know, is there a certain TV show that you want to watch during in the middle of the day, or maybe it was your morning as you're getting ready to start your day? Um, I find it interesting that we'll say, well, I don't have time, quote unquote to do whatever the thing is, but we will set our day according to the TV show that we know we want to watch, even if we're watching it while we're doing something else, but nothing, nothing gets in the way of that programming. Like we'll schedule our day around it. And yet we're like, I don't have time. Fill in the blank, you know? Well, and we all have the same amount of time. We all have 24 hours in the day and I I love what you said about you have control over your schedule because so often I hear people say, well, I just don't have time. Well, first of all, let's do a little time study and see where you're actually spending your time. And I recognize people have, you know, multiple children, they're in multiple sports, they're going in opposite directions, you know, they're, they're coming home, they're grabbing a quick bite to eat, they're running into the field. I, I get it that it's busy. However, can we think about if, if your, if your statement is I don't have time to exercise and you're sitting in a chair on the side of the field, watching practice, I love my children, but I don't need to see them do the same drill a hundred times. Listen, so, that's how I'm, my fitness ministry started on sitting field. on the field with three kids playing soccer on three different fields on three different nights. And my okay. husband was like, you're complaining that you don't have time to work on your business or find the people to teach your classes and how you wish that you could teach an evening class. He was like, why don't you just round up some of those moms and just start walking while you're at the field, you know, two hours a night, three nights a week. And that, I mean, that's where it started. And then it just grew from there. And we got to talk about those realities of like, I wish I had time to work out. Well, guess what? Let's go, (laughs) you know? Right. And if I, if I could write a prescription for every client that comes through my door, it would be movement. Mm. We have to move our bodies. We have to, 
I mean, you and I could talk about this all day long and, and right. go on for days, but the reality is even if it's just 10 minutes, we have to move our bodies because everything starts to break down and shut down when we don't move our bodies. And then I'm tired. So I don't exercise, but I don't exercise because I'm tired. You got to move. So, you know, you go to practice, you get your kids settled in. Maybe you have a younger child with you, strap them in the stroller and walk. Practice is what an hour and a half, two hours. You don't have to do it that long. You know, I typically run three or four miles while my kids are at practice takes me about 35 to 40 minutes. I'm still watching half of their practice. So, you know, I don't need to see the warm up and the stretch. I can see some drills towards the end. And then, you know, I'm able to do what I, what I need to do for me. That's, that's healthy and beneficial for me, but I'm also doing what I need to do in terms of getting them to practice. And yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, even for the person that just said, well, what if I don't want to move while they're at practice? Cause I actually want to watch their practice. Okay. Watch their practice, <clears throat> take a book with you. And in between you watching their practice, instead of scrolling on your phone, read the book that you said, man, I wish I had time to do Bible study or man, I wish I had time, you know, and nine times out of 10, your child is going to look over and see you sitting there and that's all they want. They just want to know that you're there. Even if they see you there and you're talking to another mom or they see you there and you're walking, they just want to know you're there. So you've stacked a couple of habits <laughs> in that one moment that what two, almost three hours for some sports. Yeah. Yeah. So, so for me, you know, movement is, is a key prevention coping skill, but it is also intervention because mm-hmm. there are sometimes, you know, for, for me specifically, there are times that I will feel that my body is just an electrical charge. And the only thing that's going to get the energy out when we experience stress, when we experience trauma, our bodies create energy. And if we don't do something with that energy, the energy is going to do something to us. And that's when we, you know, snap at somebody, we start crying, we lose our temper, we slam a door, we forget to do things. All of the things that happen when we lose control, mm-hmm. it's because all of the energy that stress and trauma creates in our body, we have to do something with it. So not only in a regular routine of movement, and I'm not talking about, you know, high intensity exercise. If someone isn't in an exercise routine now, just start walking, you know, park the car and walk down the driveway to get them, get the mail. Don't pull up while you're coming to the house, simple things like that. But then also knowing that on that day where you feel like you're going to just lose your mind and yell at somebody, go for a walk, walk around the backyard do a couple laps around the house, go to the end of the driveway, whatever it is, and just get some of that physical energy out. It's so important. And it sounds simple, but staying hydrated is beyond important because our bodies are so in need of water that by the time we're thirsty, we're already dehydrated. And then once we're dehydrated, we've got a headache, we feel sluggish, we can't think, we might be, you know, people say the idea of being hangry, you know, you're hangry, you're angry when you're hungry. You know, there's times where I'm just so thirsty, but I don't realize I'm thirsty because I'm already beyond dehydrated. So like you said, having a drink of water, you know, having a cup of water before you do your coffee in the morning, 
that's genius because that's already one full glass of water and you've just started your day. And I didn't like that again, that was a habit that took me a while to adopt because I honestly, in full transparency, thought it was some Instagram hype of like, here's how you're going to lose the 10 pounds. You drink a glass of water before you start the day. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do it. But then when I started doing it, and I've even been keeping a cup of water at my bedside so that if I turn over in the middle of the night where I am alert and I've turned over and I realize that I'm actually awake, I'll just drink water. Or if I get up to go to the bathroom, I'll just drink a cup of water. But I've noticed that it it's hard to explain, but like drinking it before I have the first cup of coffee, I actually taste the coffee versus mm. drinking the coffee because I was thirsty. Mm. And I would much rather enjoy the cup of coffee rather than chug it down because like, oh my gosh, I'm dehydrated. Because then it like all kinds of things happen to your digestive system that are not fun. Right. And you know what? I, I think about people... I mean, my kids have even done it, right? They'll, they'll grab a power aid or a body armor or some other kind of, you know, sports quote, healthy drink and they chug it down. Well, why don't we chug down the water first? And then you can actually enjoy the taste of that said drink. You can still have it, but we need the water first. So if I'm thirsty, I'm not going to go make myself some tea or a soda or something like that. I'm going to drink water first. Am I really still thirsty? Now I can enjoy this tea instead of drinking it. And then I'm like, now I got to have two glasses. Right. Cause you didn't even taste the first I one. I didn't even taste the first one. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned being at the soccer, uh, the sports field and, you know, having a book to read. And, you know, I, I really just think that finding a way to be in the word every day, um, whether it's listening to it through the audible, um, you know, or some other Bible app or, um, you know, having a little devotion that you can carry around. They've got these little great little pocket devotions. You can stick in your purse. You can stick in your bag. Obviously you can have it on your phone. You know, there's so many different ways that you can have it and, you know, going, going into the word before you go into social media. Um, I learned this thing the other day that you can actually add, um, like this lock, I'm going to explain something now and I'm not even going to be able to tell you how to do it. Um, On your computer through Google, you can put this add on that actually blocks your newsfeed on your social media. So when you go, if I were to click on one of my social media platforms, I get a nice script um, quote of any kind, scripture quote, whatever, but my newsfeed isn't there. So (laughs) I have to actually go in and turn off the it's called like an eradicator newsfeed eradicator or something, but it's a reminder. I need to go to the word first, or I need to not spend time on social media. So, you know, making your, making your Bible app easily accessible on your homepage, on your phone, but you got to dig in to find your social media or don't even have it on your phone. Yeah, I did that. Um, during the pandemic, actually, I took like the key ones that were drawing my attention where I was like mindlessly scrolling, I took them off of the home screen where they were clustered together. And I actually have to go into my phone and search for them, like type in the name of the app for it to pull up. 
Um, and to your point, I left the Bible app. There's a there's a couple of apps that are always accessible, even after my, I think it's 10 p.m., all of my apps turn off and they don't turn back on until 7 a.m. And you used to be able to bypass it, but there's a couple of them that w- you can't even click anything. Like you can open it, but it'll act like it's a glitch and then you'll get frustrated and put your phone down. So good yeah, job again. to the people who did that. Screen time, putting on screen yeah. time, even as an adult, because it's a reminder. You know, I, I have the same thing in terms of time as well as um, the, the length of time that I can be on certain apps just because I don't want to mindlessly scroll for hours and hours. I need to get up off the couch and go do something. And just the reminder that says, you know, screen time's up for the day. All right, let me put my phone down and go do something. Right, right. Yeah, that's good. And people think that it's hard. You know, people think it's hard to get into a, a, a Bible reading schedule or a prayer schedule. I mean, mm. I, I, I'll tell you my, my first coping skill is, is prayer and it's all about, it's all about the attitude of your heart and the position of your mind. Um, when I was, um, seven years old, I was in a near fatal car accident and I was medevaced from our local hospital to the children's hospital, um, Ironically enough, my practice is next to the hospital where I was medevaced from, and the helipad is next to my office. And I've always, since I was seven, anytime I see a medevac helicopter, I just say a little prayer, you know, God be with those people, short and sweet. How often am I praying sitting in my office every day? Because some days that helicopters come in three and four times. And every time I'm in the middle of a client session. Very quickly, God, please be with those people. That's all it takes. All it takes is turning your heart, saying his name, thanking him, asking what you need. And I think sometimes people are like, well, I don't know what to ask for. He already knows. So just say, God, I need you. Hmm. Right. And just being in that habit of continually asking him to help push, push you out of the mud. Hmm. That's good. That's good. I've been in this habit of, and again, I use the word habit loosely, (laughs) but I didn't know it was a habit. But when I'm doing my morning devotional, it's audio on the abide prayer app. And you have the option to set it at two, five, 10 or 15 minutes. And I don't know what hurry I was in, but I thought I only needed to do two two minutes. And I felt like God was like, you actually have time to do 15 minutes. And so I started doing it at 15 minutes. And now they even say in the app, if you feel like you need to pause the app to journal, to write, to meditate, like we give you full permission to pause and come back. Mm -hmm. And so I'll pause it. And whatever scripture I wrote down, I will write above the scripture, open my hands, open my heart, open my ears. And today when I wrote it, I realized that that has become like a normal rhythm for me as like this welcoming prayer of here I am, God, I'm in your word. And I don't know what this word might do for me, or if I'll, if my mind will wander or my heart will drift, (laughs) but 
would you make sure that my heart, my hands, and my ears are open just to receive it? And then when they close the prayer, when they close the app, they always close with the same prayer that the encounter that you've had with with him through his word would remind you to abide. And so like that constant rhythm and because it's become my normal routine of my day, if I don't start my day with that, I can tell, Mm -hmm. I can tell like, because I'm looking at everybody like, all y'all need Jesus. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I hate, like, I don't like saying that because we all need Jesus. But I can tell I did not start my day with just a daily dose. Well, and you bring up such a good point. Sometimes people think if I plan to do my Bible reading in the morning and I wake up late, well, then it I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Well, we can be flexible right? Because just because I didn't do it in the morning doesn't mean I can't do it at another time. I can be flexible. My, my plan is to get things done throughout the course of the day, but that doesn't mean that I can't do it at another time. Yeah. Cause if I, I'll tell you, if I miss it, I will, I'm mindful that I missed it. And so wherever I'm going to that first place or meeting or zoom call, I'm asking God, like, will you fill the gap? because I didn't do what I had originally planned, but I know that I needed it because I needed it and I'm going to need you. And more often than not, he will give me permission to go after what my original intention was. And he never shames us to say, you know, how dare you not start your day? Cause he's always going to be there when we do acknowledge that, okay, I need to be with him. He's always going to be there. Right. Um, I I know that you've got probably a ton more and I don't want to rush us through the conversation, but I do want to make um, these coping techniques available to everyone. Um, and for the sake of time, what I'd like to do is in the show notes, um, I'd like to offer a couple additional Um, coping skills. And then I'd like to link back to where they might be able to find you. uh, Whether that means if you, I don't know if you have a blog or a website or social media. Absolutely. I can, I can link all of that. And, you know, there's a couple of um, there's a couple of other go-to type things that, that real quick, I I won't go into the details of them, but um, we can link it in the show notes. There's a, um, there's a breathing technique that I really, really love. Um, it's called four, seven, eight breathing. Mm. If you were to Google four, seven, eight breathing, you're going to come up right away with Dr. Andrew Weil. Um, he created this breathing technique. The idea is that we breathe in through our nose for four, you hold it for seven so that you can let the oxygen circulate throughout your body. And then you breathe out for eight because we want to always breathe out longer than we breathe in so we can get rid of all the stuff we don't need. Um, You do four breaths and you can do it as many times as you need to. Um, So I would encourage people to to look at the show notes and to link that up. Um, There's actually a video that he'll walk you through how to do it. Um, Any really any kind of breathing technique is another fabulous coping skill because by diaphragmatic breathing, which means belly breathing, expanding your belly and really um, 
getting the air into your lungs is the only way that we can press on the vagus nerve. And that is our relaxation center in our body. So we want to make sure that we're engaging that so that we can allow the body to do what the body needs to do in terms of neurotransmitters and all of those things that need to happen in order for us to experience relaxation from the stressful event that's happening. So breathing is, you know, people say, well, you can't tell me I'm going to be stress-free if I just breathe. You're going to feel better if you just breathe. And if you breathe and you do a breath prayer at the same time, you just have it stacked because now you're breathing and you're praying. So habit mm-hmm. stacking. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, if you are new to this podcast, there are a couple of breath prayers here. Um, but my go-to breath prayer resource is either the Revelation Wellness Be Still Be Loved or the Encounter um, prayer app. I believe you can find that on their website, but also on Spotify. I'll put those in the show notes as well. Um, it's funny, whenever I'm teaching my classes, I will tell people, breathe. And they kind of laugh. And I'm like, I know it sounds silly that I'm telling you to breathe because you have to breathe. But sometimes we hold our breath when we don't even realize. And she had talked earlier about um, good stress and bad stress and like a, a fitness class, if you're strength training, sometimes that's good stress because you intentionally put yourself, put the muscles under stress so that they can be um, reconditioned. And when we've practiced breathing in a good stress situation, it will be practice for breathing in a bad stress situation. Absolutely. Um, and it's a, it's a different kind of breathing, but it will be a reminder of, oh, I actually know how to do that. You know what I mean? Like when our kids were little, we, my husband would say, okay, pause. I need you to slow down and take a deep breath. And I remember them looking at him like, no, breathing's not going to fix the problem. What, what is this? But then fast forward 2020, we found ourselves practicing what we preached. Well, and any of the coping skills that we decide that we're going to do, especially if we plan to use them as intervention, we have to practice them when we're not under stress. So we know what to do when we are under stress. It's the same as playing an instrument or playing a sport. You don't just show up at game day. You practice so that when game day comes, you know what to do. You don't just show up at the recital. You practice so you know what to do. So we have to practice them when we're not under stress so that they are our go-to things when our body starts to feel stress and being aware, right? Like the be still and be loved will help people with this idea of being mindful and being aware. We talked about, you know, slowing down and drinking some water before you drink your tea, being mindful. What does this taste like? How cold is it? What's it feel like as it's going down my throat, just being aware and slowing down the day can sometimes quiet the, the chatter of the world. So it doesn't feel so stressed and chaotic. Yeah, that's good, man. I want to keep talking, (laughs) but my prayer is that, and I've said this at the end of each episode, whether you were able to listen to this in one sitting or you had to pause it and come back and listen, whether you took mental notes or you actually wrote some things down, my prayer is that all of these episodes in this series of emotional, being emotionally well, my prayer is that you take these tools and actually use them. Don't just listen to the episode and say, man, that was good. Wipe your mouth and walk away. Right. Mm-hmm. But like put it into practice. I was uh, 
listening to a clip of the motivational speaker, Les Brown, and he's like talking to this auditorium of people. And he's like, we've got to practice, 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 because practice makes what? And the crowd yells, perfect. And he was like, no, that is not true. (laughs) Let's just get rid of that lie. And he goes on to explain that practice makes the habit stick. Mm-hmm. But it's not a striving or an effort of perfection. It is putting the thing into practice so that we get better at what it is that we've been practicing. And I love the analogy of playing an instrument and showing up for performance day. It's because you've practiced mm-hmm. versus like the new kid on the block shows up with their horn and expects they're getting first chair. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, I'm grateful that you came here and I know that you are just a a, a well of information and a beautiful resource. Um, I keep, it, The crazy thing is everyone that I've interviewed in this series, I have said to them, I have a feeling that you're going to be back and all of them have been back. So I would love to bring you back. Even we are potentially looking at doing um, like a podcast panel where we've got four or five speakers um, just hitting a couple of topics and we're trying to figure out, can we do it like a call-in show? Like, you know, how back in the day you could do a radio call-in and yeah. So the platform that the podcast is run on, they used to have a feature where you could have your guests call in. So I'm looking into that. Um, If it's not capable, if we're not able to do it live, then what we'll probably do is let everybody know the topics and then have people submit the questions and then y'all can answer the questions while we're live. So, yeah, I I think that's great. And I'm happy to continue this and into more conversations because it's really important for people to hear things more than once and in different ways, because at some point it's going to stick. Yeah, for sure. Well, y'all, I appreciate you giving me the time that you gave. And like I've always said, anything that we've discussed here, it is with an opportunity and an effort to help you to think about what you've been thinking about to literally adjust your focus so that you now see that no one is asking you to do it by yourself or figure it out by yourself. But just what Jennifer said, like when you come to God and ask him for what you need, he does know, but he would love to hear from you. He would love to hear from you. And he's never going to say, good luck with that. Figure it out on your own. He will put people around you to help you um, find the tools and the resources that you need. And if any of these tools feel like, okay, this is what I need. I want to go further with that, but you're not really sure where to go. Would you reach out to me and just send me an email and I will point you in the right direction. You can email me at interactivefitclub. That's I-N-N-E-R, interactivefitclub at gmail. And I will point you to the right people. Again, everything that we talked about today that was a resource will be in the show notes, um, as well as just ways to keep in touch with us and to keep going in this journey of wellness. It is not a one and done. This will be a lifelong journey until Jesus returns. (laughs) So I pray that this helps you to be intentional about taking care of you and taking care of the people that you love. So until we all get to chat again, 
Y'all stay free and stay well. Take care.